Welcome once again to Advance, an NCEES podcast series. I'm your host, Davey McDowell, Chief Operating Officer at NCEES. This episode's a first for us in that our guest has a 14-hour time difference from our NCEES headquarters here in Greenville, South Carolina. My discussion today is with Nicole Hill, who's a project engineer in South Korea for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. She's a military spouse and recently transferred from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Wilmington District with her spouse and two children to the U.S. Army Garrison Humphreys. In 2021, Nicole was awarded the prestigious Women of Color STEM Conference Technology Rising Star Award. Prior to working for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, she worked for private sector firms, performing both public and private construction work and capital improvements. For over a decade, she has dedicated her career to advancing the engineering field. She's also in the process of studying for her professional engineering exam. Thank you, Nicole, for joining us today, or I guess I should say tonight, where you are. I look forward to our conversation. As I said just a moment ago, I was going to say good morning, but it's, it's not necessarily morning for you, right? No, not at all. It's uh, almost 10.30 at night. I'm here in South Korea, Pyeongtaek. So how did you get to, uh, what, what got you there? What got you to South Korea? So my husband is actually active duty and he had orders to go to South Korea. And I like to take any opportunity to keep the family together. So I started looking for positions um, in South Korea. And then I realized there's an Army Corps in Korea as well. And I can just transfer uh, right at the base that we were being stationed at. So it worked out perfectly. So you were part of the, the Army Corps of Engineers prior to, to moving? Yes, yes. I was I was still new, but yes, definitely. So about within a year, just, just before I was there, a year, we had to leave to come to South Korea. So, so tell us, tell me a little bit about your background. What got you, not necessarily to South Korea, we just kind of heard that, but what got you into, into the Army Corps to start with, the Army Corps of Engineers, and, and a little bit about your background. What got you into engineering? What made you feel like you wanted to be an engineer? I was actually working as a subcontractor on an Army Corps project and was recruited that way. <laughs> They were looking for project engineers, and I jumped at the opportunity. In general, uh, so my background, I, I like to call myself, I, I know it might sound, I don't know, It's. It, I think it tends to be like not what engineers want to, um, uh, I guess, describe themselves as, but this is my truth and in a sense, but I consider myself a jack of all trades, master of none, so I know a little bit about a lot of different things, and that actually has made me more successful in the role that I'm at now than I than I ever really realized. I went to school for mechanical engineering, but after I left school, I actually never did any mechanical engineering. I went straight into low-voltage control systems, lighting, and then from there went into power systems, switchgear, and generators. And then civil construction as the subcontractor in uh, North Carolina. And then I was picked up by Army Corps of Engineers, where I did mostly civil civil uh, construction again um, from there. I honestly don't know what was the driving factor. I, I know that I was a curious child. I know that I, I drew a lot. One of the things that I can say were definitive, you know, memories 
or the fact that I was always drawing something. And I typically remember drawing houses. I was always drawing what the next house would look like. So I, I guess you would think I would go into architecture, but I also was the type of girl who actually in my high school, it seems like I was the only girl who took the construction class. I was one of one girl of uh, out of what, 30 different males in the class. And unknowingly, that would kind of be my future when I went into engineering. And then my first job out of college, I was the first female, the only female engineer hired. And it kind of continued that way, actually. Same into the switchgear. I was the only female and and so forth. So, so where, where was college? VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. So uh, I'm going to go on the same premise that, and, and maybe, maybe you, you agree, you can agree or disagree with me, but I, I do think that engineering in school basically teaches you to, to think and learn how to, you know, the, the engineering process, the scientific process. And, and then once out, you, you can, pretty much get into not anything that you want to. You're set and ready to be adaptable. Yes, I agree with that. I will say the one thing that I I feel like I did not learn in college that I felt was the most useful, the most useful tool I have, I guess, in my, in my repertoire was how to troubleshoot. Um, that was learned with my first job at Pro Automated. And I will never forget it. I like learning that thought process and and I I utilize it all of the time. I use it use it in everything. Out of school, you had a some varying types of jobs that led you to to where you are today. So what are you what are you working on now with the uh, Omri Corps in South Korea? What kind of projects are you working on? So we are we basically built Camp Humphreys. Arm, uh, Army, I won't say me, myself, but Army Corps of Engineers. We essentially built Camp Humphreys. It's, imagine a, a small city. You have your PX, your commissary, bowling alley, restaurants, housing for families, housing for soldiers, laundromats, anything that you would need or a family would need to live here, essentially. It's on the base. And for the most part, we built it. Specifically, I was assigned to the UEH project. It's a Bears project. And that was actually a relocation program where the Korean government participated in a lot of the funding for that project and uh, some of the oversight as well. So that was more of a collaboration with the, the Korean government, which was interesting to be a part of. Uh, I was assigned to a pet care center or Amazon was assigned. They seem to never completely end, but a pet care center and, you know, currently some civil projects and electrical upgrades. We're upgrading the, the base electrical system. It sounds sounds pretty interesting. Uh, NCWS has, has worked with E-Week or Discover E and, and a lot of times watching middle school kids design these, what they call future cities. It sounds like that's kind of what you're doing to some extent is designing a future city, even though it's a military base. Yeah, honestly, yeah, that's kind of what we are doing. I I like hearing the stories from the, the, the people who were here 10 years ago. Some people have been here, stationed here for seven, seven years, eight years. Um, and so they've really actually seen this base build up. I came here when it was 
you know, fairly developed. Uh, I like hearing that, you know, these were, it was a wetlands. It was kind of, you know, swamp kind of areas and, and how we kind of built upon that. Well, that sounds interesting. Tell me a little bit about what it's like living. I, I know, I know you're on a, a U.S. air, uh, a U.S. military base, but what is it like living in South Korea? I mean, how obviously it's different than North Carolina or Virginia. So I actually what, live off post. So, okay. um, yeah, so the it's a lot of agriculture. So in the States, our yard, our yards are like our pride and glory. Uh, here in Korea, it's their it's their farms, their farmlands, the rice farms or just general farms. If they have yard space, it's a garden. And so they are everywhere. You can when you're driving through the city slash country, it can it can it kind of changes pretty quickly once you're just outside of the main city and all you see is rice fields for they can go on for miles, several football fields. You know, there's they still have the older generation who they like to maintain their, you know, the the older way of older style of doing things. So so you'll see some uh, of the older uh, ladies and men, actually, with the cart, they're pulling a cart behind them with their tools or whatnot, just right down the road. It's a typical scene, actually, uh, around here. You, you'll see it all the time. They're actually really hardworking. The food is great. Yeah, it, it's quite the experience. And the children, they pay particular care to, which is why I enjoy it the most. Um, my, I had a child that was born here and one who's now spent more of her life in Korea than than in the States. And the care that they put into the children here, I, to me, it's it was the most uh, comforting, the most comforting aspect, in my opinion. Sounds like you guys have assimilated pretty good. Have you learned to speak any Korean? My children have the most, surprisingly. I, I was I was leading the pack. I was leading the family for a while, but my children, uh, they go to Korean daycare, well, preschools, my son in daycare, my daughter is, uh, it's considered a preschool. She's only three, but it's considered a preschool. And, uh, she's been in them since she got here. I didn't realize that she could speak as much as she spoke until I was with my Korean coworker and her son. And they just started having a full conversation and I had no idea what was going on. Um, but I do, uh, did learn phrases. I do know to, you know, how to get my way around and, um, to general, you know, general, how are you? I'm sorry. Uh, thank you. Cause I learned those from my contractors. Our, our contractors are actually Korean. And so anytime I have the opportunity to learn something or pick up a new phrase, I try to, but my daughter definitely is more. Uh, I wouldn't say she's fluent, but she is much more well-versed than any of us in the house. It sounds extremely interesting, and it's probably an experience that your children obviously will never forget uh, spending time there. Have you ever had a project or either with the Army Corps of Engineers where you thought, you know, this is really cool and I'm glad I got to work on this? Here in Korea, I say the most interesting project would have been the Pet Care Center, uh, just because it was the first one being built on the base. Uh, it was kind of going in with, you know, with the with the barracks and the housing. We it's it's almost copy paste repeat, um, but this one was a you know it was a, it was a new type of design, and so we were finding out 
you know, lessons that we probably will not implement in the next build, uh, which was interesting. For exciting ones, I would have to go back to Pro Automated, my first job out, because I was a field engineer there. And so not only did, you know, I, I got to update the as built, manage the projects, as well as, you know, I was also the one programming it. We got to work in some really cool places. And I I want to say one of the coolest ones had to be that I got to actually do the lighting for uh, it was the Converse headquarters in Boston. They had uh, these kind of businesses. They They get very creative with how they want their lighting to work or the designs in general. And I remember they had a it's basically a converse. I don't even want to call it a chandelier because that doesn't do it justice. It was a ceiling covered in converse, but they were lights. It was their lighting um, for the ceiling, which was quite interesting. And actually the job also brought me back full circle. I had several projects at VCU where I programmed. I had to do some programming for their uh, equipment so that it spoke to their uh, video uh, system and, and everything operated and, and reacted accordingly. We had a lot of issues with that one because they had trouble getting it to function. And so I got to come down there, really kind of dig into the, the program, something that I hadn't yet done before. You know, I, I got to problem solve and actually fix the issue. I got I got it working by the time I left. So it, it ended up coming back full circle. I am going to ask you a uh a question that's that's part of I guess part of your bio and it you know that you had received an award and it's called the Women of Color STEM Conference Technology Rising Star Award. Can you tell us a, a little bit about what that award what not only what it means to you but kind of what it is? Every year Women of Color magazine nominates women who are in the STEM fields who are making a difference. They are they are kind of carving away or breaking that glass ceiling, uh, say. And so my supervisor actually nominated me for it, which I didn't even think that I would win. <laughs> I honestly thought like, you know, okay, if you if you want to put me in for the for it, you know, you're welcome to, but you know, I I don't think they're gonna look at look at me. But um, um, and I was actually really surprised to see uh, the email, you know, with this stating that I was recognized as a, as a rising star. There are a lot of different categories. It was rising star. And there were other women who've been in their uh, fields for, you know, quite a long time with different distinctions. You know, it was, it was shocking, but validating at the same time, um, because, you know, they, they are trying to promote the women who are promoting, you know, achievements in, in, in the STEM fields. And so to be recognized as, you know, one of those kind of players and I don't know, just to be told like, you know, what I do matter, what we do matters, um, was actually quite, uh, motivating. I, I imagine it was, was there anybody else in your family or friends that, that like, you know what? You've got some of these characteristics, traits that an engineer might have. So maybe you go into engineering. And, and I say that because, or, or ask that because uh, I have three daughters 
and all three went into engineering, which is, uh, I feel very proud. Um, but I also think that in the home, I tried to encourage or teach them that there was nothing magical about math, science, technology. They, and, and I think that helped. So was there somebody or something that kind of got you that way as well? I don't doubt that. I can't think of a specific, you know what I mean? Like as a child, like growing up, I probably didn't even notice um, if I'm being completely honest. I, I was I was stubborn and and I wanted that independence to just do uh, what I needed to do. Um, my mom told me the science fair project in elementary school. I and I, re- I actually do recall this. I wanted to do it on my own. And, you know, I, I even did the, the, you know, the trifold boards. We had to design the trifold mm-hmm. boards to show our science fair project. And, and I put it together, you know, by myself and then typed up everything and, and, you know, even put a little design, had my razzle dazzle with all the colors and whatnot. And she, and she, I was insistent that I did not want to be helped at all. <laughs> and, um, I remember getting to the fair and no one else's project looked like mine because mine looked like it was done by a, you know, a fifth grader uh, or maybe I was fourth grade. I don't know, fourth or fifth grade. The, the others looked extremely professional. I think that was the first time I realized like, you know, my, <laughs> my thought process is a little different from the other children. <laughs> um, but I will say that my mom did give me the room to be creative. My parents both gave me the room to be creative. They didn't stifle it. They did not, when, it, you know, when I came home and I said I wanted to tear out their bathroom and, and redo the entire thing, I thought I would be met with, are you crazy? Um, and instead I was met with, you know, how do you think you're going to do this? And I gave them my plan. I had it laid out. I had the entire process thought out and they actually let me do it. And I was able to tear it out completely and put it back together. I wouldn't say they necessarily said or pushed me in any specific direction. I would say that they allowed me to be myself. Um, they allowed me to ask questions and to explore different things to figure out how they worked. Um, and just in general, just kind of dream up things. You, you hit a really big point. It was that, uh, which I agree agree with completely is that ability to dream, that ability to create. I I usually speak to kids at a a local elementary school about once a year. And um, we always try to do like an engineering day to teach them, you know, kind of that scientific process. But one of the things I always tell them is, you know, you dream it. If you can dream it, then you can build it. Definitely. And, and one thing I I've read, you know, after becoming a parent, um, you know, and you're, you're trying to You want to, you know, give your kids inspiration. You know, uh, one thing I came across was, you know, children are scientists. They're already scientists because they're asking the why, why, you know, why does this work? It does this because, and they continue and continue and continue. And to try to not stifle those questions, allow them to keep answering those questions. But yeah, I I completely agree with you. So do you have uh, any advice for someone younger female or male, um, about going into the a STEM field or going into engineering? Um, try not to be intimidated during school. It can get, it can, it can feel overwhelming and it can feel like, 
And even if you struggle during school, it doesn't define the, an engineer, like the type, the type of uh, professional you'll end up being, whether that's an engineer or just STEM in general. You may struggle during school, but then you may find that specific niche that just fits you and, and what you are great at. And, and that's what I ended up finding that that role as PE is it's a combination of engineering, but it's also project management. It's also people management. It's like the in-between and it's understanding the engineering side of it, but also being able to um, communicate and explain that to those who don't understand. And so I, I guess that is my advice. It's just don't become too intimidated. There are so many different facets of STEM, so many different jobs that you hadn't even thought of, that you didn't know even existed, that could definitely um, just just be your cup of tea. Any parting words, anything else that you would like to just kind of say to the, the world about either yourself or about the engineering, uh, you know, your engineering career? I think that, you know, despite the accomplishments, despite the, um, despite the experience, I was that, that imposter syndrome is real and it's strong and maybe not for everyone, but for those of you or us who may, you know, sometimes wonder or feel if, if you really belong, should you really be here doing this? Um, that's, that's, you know, it, it, that, that's not a measure of actually your capability. That's, that's, that's more a fear, your own fear, uh, speaking um, out, of, out of worry or concern for. You don't have to go into it knowing everything. You're not meant to. It's, it's science. It's engineering. You're meant to, to come up with new ways to accomplish something. That's the whole point of it. Or STEM would not exist um, if we did it. People in these fields are always, what I've encountered, are always willing to teach. They're always willing to share their knowledge. And they actually, they actually welcome it. The, the, the Army Corps of Engineers, especially, uh, I happen to work at the headquarters office where, where we literally have the designers, the PEs, the uh, quality assurance branch and technical service review, all of these engineers, hundreds of us in one building who are eager to be asked a question and to explain, you know, their their specialty and, and to help lend a hand. You don't have to know it all and try to let that imposter syndrome or feeling if you're facing it, let that go. It's okay to not know everything. Um, you're not meant to. How much longer do you think you'll be in South Korea? Is this a don't have any idea or, you know, it's going to be another couple of years or something? Okay. So I, I kind of got a mix. It's not going to be another couple of years. Um, so we've been here for almost three years. The We got here actually in 2020. Our Deros is actually up in February. So we are kind of in the mindset that we are heading out, but we haven't received orders yet. So until we actually receive orders, we're not going anywhere. We know it's coming. It should be in 2023 uh, it, and it shouldn't be a few years out. <laughs> 
So, so probably no later than next summer, we should be home. Uh, but we're unsure where. Well, Nicole, thank you. It, it was enjoyable uh, talking to you. I know it's getting late there. So thank you for having me today, Davey. I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to let you all know a little about what we do. Thank you again to Nicole for joining us on the podcast today. You are truly an inspiration for the work you're doing and the example you're setting for so many young engineers out there around the world. For all of our listeners, please take a minute to leave us a review. This simple action can help others like yourself find and share this podcast. Mm -hmm.